Genesis chapter 17, chapter 17, verse 1, and it says this. When Abram was 99 years old, somebody say that's old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Watch this. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. I want to pause there really quickly. God came to Abram and he said, hey, walk before me, seek me and live a blameless life. And he said, I'm going to make a covenant between you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to make you exceedingly great. I like this. Be before me, be blameless, and I'll multiply you. Which for me tells me that God has no intentions of multiplying my mess. God says, I'm not multiplying foolishness. I'm not multiplying bad attitudes. I'm not multiplying jealousy. I'm not multiplying selfish ambition. He said, no, no, no. When you walk after me, when your walk is blameless, when your desire is to live for God, he says, that's what I can multiply. So many of us, if we grew up in church, in church of rules and all that other good stuff, we feel like the rules of God are to constrict us, to keep us back from experiencing life and experience fun. This is what God says. He said, no, no, no. Give me a life that I can bless. Give me a life that I can exalt, that I can lift up. Here's what I want. I want to make somebody great. I just don't want you to cuss them out when I make you great. I I, want to expand somebody's business. I just want when I expand the business that they don't take credit for it, but they point to God and said, if it had not been for the Lord, this would not be possible. Watch this. God is not looking for people to curse. God is looking for people to bless, but he's waiting for someone to walk blameless before him. He said, I'll multiply and exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face. And God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and it will make my nations of you and kings shall come from you. Father God, in this moment, we worship you. We honor you. We declare that you are the everlasting. God, there is none like you in all the earth. God, we know that in this moment, you're here to speak to us, to transform our lives. God, we say, have your way. When you speak, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Somebody shout amen in this place. Come on, Baltimore, somebody shout amen. We uh, started a series a few weeks ago called Out of Order, Out of Order. And the whole mindset or heart behind this series is that when something is out of order, it does not matter how much effort you put into it. It doesn't matter how much prayer you put into it. It doesn't matter how much attention you put into it. It will never produce what you desire for it to produce because it's broken. It is out of order. It's like putting money in a vending machine that is out of order. That vending machine will take your money, but it'll never spit out a snack. 
because the simple fact that it's broken, it's out of order, it doesn't matter what you put in it. If it doesn't get in the right order, you're never going to see the results that you're looking for. And what breaks my heart is so many of us are putting effort, we're putting attention, we're even putting prayer into something that's out of order. And if we don't figure out the order of God in the different areas of our lives and our relationships and our finances and our faith and our businesses, no matter how much effort you put in, it will never bring you the results that you're looking for. And I find so many people are, are, are cynical. They're, they're beaten down. They're discouraged because, like, man, I tried my best. I, I prayed. I worked. And I just did not see the results that I was looking for. When things are out of order, it'll take from you and it'll never produce what you desire. You can put all the love you want to into a broken relationship, but it's outside of God's purity. Listen, it'll take your purity, it'll take your hope, but it'll never give you the love that you're looking for. You can put all of your attention and your focus into a business that could be a great idea. But if you don't have the wisdom of God on how to structure that business, how to bring the right employees, how to find the right contracts, it doesn't matter how hard you work, it will not produce what you're looking for. Many of us grew up saying, hey, if you just give it your best try, you'll be great. That's why you need a pastor to tell you they lied to you. Effort is not all there is to the equation. You have to know what the proper divine order for something is. And when it's in the right, watch this. Some of us are trying too hard. It, it, it doesn't take that much work. And you, you guys are, aren't pastors, but I'm going to give you kind of just a little bit of my thought. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. You ever heard the term the weight of the ministry? You hear pastors complain about the weight of the ministry. It's so hard. It's our job to look over the souls of all these people. And that's why I'm 33 and I look like I'm 50 with all this gray hair. It's the weight. It's the, it's the weight of the ministry. Y'all aren't interested because you're not pastors. You don't care. But here's the thought that came up. But could it be as pastors the weight of the ministry that we're complaining about is actually the failure to delegate and to raise up other leaders to actually carry what God has called us to carry to. Here we are complaining about something, and God says, no, 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 the ministry's not supposed to be that heavy. You're just out of order. I never designed you to do it all by yourself. For so many of us, we're looking at God and saying, don't you care? Don't you see the pressure I'm under? And God is saying, I care. But you're under that pressure, not because I've abandoned you, but because you've mixed up the order. It's amazing how we don't realize our whole life is in a certain order, right order, wrong order. We just live life according to order. You, you wake up in the morning, you have an order. I don't know about you, my order is to wake up and hit the snooze button. <laughs> it's so bad to the point now where I'll set my alarm 15 minutes before I actually want to wake up. I'll set two alarms, the one that I'm going to snooze and the one that I'm actually going to get out of bed. And then when I wake up, I swing my feet over and I, I sit on the edge of the bed and I just contemplate the purpose of life. <laughs> what am I here for? What is the purpose? I, I get up and I'll go brush my teeth. I'll, I'll sit on the throne for like 30 minutes for no reason whatsoever. And I'll get to TMI, all this other kind. But I have my order to waking up. Don't mess with me. It's my order. You have your own order. You have an order when you go to a restaurant. 
You walk in, and, and some of you are like, I, I got to figure out what, what my drink's going to be first. And, and I don't even look at the appetizers until I figure out what I'm going to drink. And, and then I get an appetizer, and then I get my entree. And then if I have room, then I'm going to get my dessert. I, I have a weird pastor friend that every time he goes out to eat, he orders his dessert first. The waiter looks at him like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I'm going to order my dessert first. And if you ask him why he orders his dessert first, he says, just in case Jesus returns in the middle of my meal, I want to make sure I got the best part of the meal taken care of. I can leave the steak, but I need the cobbler. I'm going to make sure. How many people know he has his life in order? (laughs) Without even realizing it, we have an order to our faith. It's not necessarily the right order. It's not necessarily a godly order. It's just our order. Our order to faith usually looks something like this. We see a problem or a desire. We really, really hope that God is going to do it for us, that it's going to take place, that he's going to move in our life. Then we begin to pray about that problem or that order. And after we pray about that problem or that order, we sit back and we wait to see what's going to happen. God, God, are you going to do this? God, are you going to move on behalf of my prayer? God, you said you're you're, you're faithful to your promises, and we just wait to see what's going to happen. This passage that we read about Abram, if you're familiar with the story of Abram, Abram had a problem. Abram's problem was him and his wife were unable to have children. It's a problem no matter what time in history or generation you lived in. That's a problem. But back then it was even a bigger problem because your name meant everything. If you weren't able to have a son, your name literally would be wiped off from the face of the planet. You'd have nothing to leave all that you had built for. And it literally was one of the greatest uh, smites or embarrassment in society at that time. Not only was Abram and his wife Sarai unable to have children, but they had passed the age where they were biologically able to have kids. So it was no longer a problem. It was now an impossibility. And they approached this problem in the same faith order that most of us approach. They looked at the problem, they went to God, and they said, God, can you fix the problem? Then after they asked God to fix the problem, they stepped back and they began to watch to see if he would do it. One year turned into five years, and he didn't do it. Five years turned into 10 years. 10 years turned into 20 years. And like many of us do, after about 20 years, they figured out, hey, God's not going to do it on his own. He needs my help. Isn't it amazing how God didn't need our help to create the universe? But yet we feel like God needs our help in what we're believing him for. God, I got to help you turn my loved one's heart towards you because, God, you're not working hard enough. So, God, I'm going to guilt them and tell them how bad they are and tell them how they need to go to church or whatever it may be or, or whatever it is we're trying to help God do. So they come up with this great idea of, hey, if Abram and Sarai can't can't have a children, then Sarai said, hey, have my servant, have a child with her. And, And they made it more of a mess than it would ever be. I don't even think we understand how much of a mess they made. Do you understand all of the unrest in the Middle East in 2020? is a byproduct of the mess that they made over 4,000 years ago. The two people groups that are warring together are Abram's two sons from him trying to do a miracle in his own strength. Because here's the problem. Our order of faith is out of order. Faith is not see a problem, pray about a problem, wait for God to move. 
The order of faith is see a problem and believe that God is able. And when I believe that God is able, then I begin to speak what he's going to do even before I see it. And then after I speak it, then I'm going to see it. Here's a problem. That's awkward. That's uncomfortable. Do you know how awkward it is to tell people that God's going to do something that is not happening? And there is zero evidence whatsoever that it could even possibly happen. And you're walking around saying, God is going to do X, Y, Z. And they're looking at you like you've lost your mind. It's a whole lot more comfortable to to pray. this, This is the order of faith that I want. I want pray goosebumps. Because when you get goosebumps in prayer, that's when you know God's heard you. It's like, God, ooh, I feel, it's like a massage. I feel your presence, God. And then after I pray and get the goosebumps, I immediately want to see things start to fall in order. I just want to see that boss be nicer to me immediately. I want the banker to call me. I don't even have to call him back. I just want to see things fall perfectly in order. And then after I see it fall in order, then I want to give a testimony. (laughs) Put me on a video, Pastor. I want to testify about the goodness of the Lord after it's taken place. Here's what the Bible says in Corinthians. It says this. It says we live by faith, not by sight. Here's what I find. We memorize scripture, Baltimore, that we don't really internalize. Like, most people know we live by faith and not by sight. But we get nervous when we can't see things working out. We get nervous when things don't look good. We get nervous when it looks like things are heading in the wrong direction, when the entire scripture teaches us that as a believer, we don't live based on what we see. We don't even live on based on what we hear. We live on based on our faith on what God has said to us. So I'm going to give you just three thoughts, just three thoughts. So we have about three more hours together and just give you three just quick thoughts. I love that joke. I say it almost every single Sunday, and you guys still laugh. You're so patronizing. I'm grateful. <laughs> the first thing is, is write this down, write this down, write this down. Belief has a foundation. Belief has a foundation. So the godly order to faith is believe, speak, and then I see. I believe first, then I speak. And then I see. But here's the thing about belief. Belief is not just a random wishing. Belief is not just hoping that God is going to do something. Belief is a certainty and an assurity that it will take place. What we call belief, I think, is what our kids do when we go to Target. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. I'm, 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 I'm a new father. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. My kids aren't 13, 14, 16, and I feel like until you have teenagers, you just need to shut your mouth and just, just don't say anything because you do not know what you're talking about. The only thing is your pastor is a judgmental person, and uh, you are too because even before you had kids, you were judging other people. Come on now. You, you, you remember that time that you went to, to Target or Walmart before you had children and some other horrible parent <laughs> had their kid in line 
and that kid is kirking out because they wanted a piece of candy off of the shelf that those demonic managers put right at their height level so they can see it and grab it. What kind of witchcraft is that, that you're gonna put something that my two-year-old can grab and he don't even have a job? If you can't pay for it, you shouldn't be able to reach it in the store. But now I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and I'm the person that you people are judging. Where Zoe is just like, but daddy, you said, I didn't say anything. I didn't tell you I was going to buy You know what I said? I said, we're coming to Target to get your mom some toilet paper and some paper towels and some hand soap like she sent us to when we going home. In there was not a DVD. It was in a pack of Skittles. It was in a new bicycle. We came for toilet paper, paper towels, and some hand soap. And here they are completely upset because you didn't get me. I'm preaching now something that you never promised to get me. And there's so many of us, like the pastor's spoiled kids, and my wife's going to be upset I call them spoiled, but they'll be okay by the time they're 16, <laughs> upset that God did not get us something that he never promised to get us. You see, I don't just get to believe for whatever. There's a foundation to my belief. And watch this. God's not obligated to do anything he didn't say he was going to do. If he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. But if he never said he's going to do it, he ain't going to do it. And it doesn't matter how much time you throw yourself on the ground of your prayer closet and roll around and cry and throw a tantrum that we call prayer. <laughs> do, do you remember that talk? I'm having fun. Y'all can tell I've been out for three weeks. You, you remember that time when Israel went into battle against AI and God didn't tell them to go? And then Joshua throws himself on the ground and he's flailing and crying, God, why have you abandoned me? Here's what God said, get up. I don't need your crying, your rolling, or your whining. Go do what I told you to do. And if you do what I told you to do, it'll work out the way that I told you it'll work out. We don't get to believe whatever we want to believe. We only get to believe what he promised me that he would do. Well, how do I know what he promised? His word. God's word are the promises of God over my life. So watch this. If I can find a promise in his word, it's guaranteed that he has to do it in my life. But if I can't find a promise in his word, there is no guarantee that it's going to come to pass in my life. So I know that I'm healed, not because sickness is painful. I know that I'm healed not because sickness is uncomfortable. I know that I'm healed because his word said, by his stripes I have been healed. His word said, with long life he will satisfy me. I know it because he said it, not because I feel it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Watch this. We believe in echoes. We believe when we repeat what he said. He said, I'm healed, so I believe it. 
He said he's going to make my name great, so I believe it. He said that he's going to provide for me, so I believe it. He said that he's never going to leave me nor forsake me, so I believe it. I wish I had some people in here that understand that there are promises that are over my life, not because I'm special, not because I'm unique, not because I'm gifted, but just because my daddy said it. And because he said it, it's going to come to pass in my life. There's so many people that are living beneath the promises of God because you don't know what he's promised you. And you're struggling through things calling this life. God says, you don't have to live with that addiction. You don't have to cope with that depression. You don't have to struggle paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. You don't have to manage that sickness. You don't have to settle with where you are in life and under this false idea of gratitude and contentment have no desire, ambition for more. He said, no, I desire to move you from glory to glory to glory. He said about David, when he had finished his work here on earth, then I took him on to heaven, which means to me, if I'm still here on earth, there is more that he has for me. But there's so many people that are settling, that are just, I'm surviving. Because you don't know the promises that God made over you. God says, I know you. You're not invisible. You're not, you're not missable. I know you. And I have plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Does that sound like average? Does that sound like survival? Does that sound like, let me just make the best of my life? No, he said, before you even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I wrote you out and I called you as a prophet to the nation. If only we understood the promises on our life. Here's the problem. If you understand the promises, people are going to think you're arrogant. Because there's something about people, I'm having fun now, who aren't believing anything great for their life that they get offended if you believe something great for your life. If you dare expect that 2020 could still be your best year ever, even though everybody else is in a pandemic, I'm sorry that y'all are in a pandemic, but my word says that no plague is gonna come near my dwelling place, that he's in camp, his angels around me. So forgive me if I've decided not to participate. Forgive me if I still believe that I'm blessed and not cursed and that he opens doors that no man can shut. They, they, they get offended because you're expecting something more out of life than they are. And hear me, it's not because I'm special, it's not because I'm gifted, it is because I'm God's favorite though. By the way, so are you. You just need to know what he's promised you. So I'm not just making up and wishing things and hoping things. When I see a problem, I go to his word. And I say, God, what have you promised? What's the foundation of my belief? So the first thing is this, belief as a foundation. The second thing is this, don't just say anything. So the order of faith is this, believe based on the word of God. Speak, and then I'm going to see. But you don't just get to say whatever you want. You don't just get to speak whatever, whatever you're feeling. This, this is where the, the, the word of faith deal got, got a little funky. 
You know, there was, there was a movement where, where the church was void of speaking in faith. And there was pastors that, 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 that brought us back into alignment that helped us understand that our words have creative power. Yeah. That, that you're going to see not what you pray, you're going to see what you say. The Bible says this, if you see a mountain and you say, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, you will have whatever you say. Not what you pray, what you, what you say. So then people started going down to the Mercedes-Benz dealer. <laughs> Said, I speak over this E-class. <laughs> it's just something about us humans. We could take a, a godly text and just, just twist it and get it to where we started walking through some model homes. And I say, <laughs> let those keys drop into my hands. Now, I can't make the payment, but I ain't going to worry about that. I'm just, you don't just say anything. Got to be mindful what you say. So, so watch this order. God comes to Abram, and he says, Abram, I am your exceeding, your great reward. And you will be a father of many nations. I, I, I know Sarai is beyond the age of childbearing, but don't worry, I'm a miracle-working God. I'm a God that calls things that are not as though they are. I look at dead situations, I call them to life. Don't you worry, it's going to take place. Abram said, I believe. God said, great. See you later. Wait, where are you going? Yeah, just, 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 just roll with me for a second. Why would God show up? And say what he's going to do and then not do it. I mean, just, 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 just me. You're here already. No time like the present. You might as well perform the miracle now. This is a really great time, God, to move. You ever felt that about your sickness? About a relationship that you desire for God to mend? about a door that you're believing him to open, about an opportunity. God, it's a really good time. I mean, it's 2020. Ain't much good going on. Imagine this. You know how you try to tempt God into a miracle? Imagine how many people would be blessed, God, if they saw you do this for me in this year. God, I promise I won't take credit. God said, Abram, I'm going to do it. Then he leaves. Then a few years later, God comes back. Could you imagine how excited Abram was when God came back? Like he promised, he said he was going to do it, and now he's shown up, the miracle worker, creator of heaven and earth. And, and God shows up and he says, Abram, I haven't forgotten about you, bud. I feel like bud is the most disrespectful thing you could ever call a grown man. I'm not your bud. I got you, bud. <laughs> Remember I said I'm going to make you a great nation? I'm going to make you a great nation. Oh, God, I'm so grateful. We've been praying. We've been fasting. We're believing it. Is it going to happen now? No. But here's what I am going to do. I'm going to change your name. <laughs> Christmas is coming up, guys. And people are going to get you gifts. And you're going to have to practice that phrase that you have to say every Christmas. Wow. You shouldn't have. 
<laughs> but you're thinking in your head is, why did you? You shouldn't have. Here comes God. Abram's expecting him to bring a son, and he brings a new name. Abram's like, wow. <laughs> Abram, now I'm Abraham. God, you're so creative. <laughs> you shouldn't have. Why did God keep showing up with everything except what he promised? He showed up with hope. He showed up with faith. He showed up with a new name, but not the one thing that he promised. God says, Abram, you used to be called Abram, which means exalted father. Now you're going to be called Abraham, the father of many nations. Here's what God is trying to help us understand that our relationship with him shouldn't just be believer, promise keeper. Our relationship, can I say it this way? Is not Aladdin, genie. When I need something, I'll rub you the right way and you pop out and you grant my wish. God says, no, 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 I wanna be your heavenly father. I want to be Emmanuel, God with you. I don't just want to show up, hear your prayer, and then show up 20 years later when I answer it. I want to walk every single step with you. I want to be the one that never leaves you nor forsakes you. I want to be the one that is closer than a friend. I want to be the one that you're engrafted to. Hear me. He is not just a promise keeper. He's a comforter. He's a refuge. He's a strong tower. He's the prince of peace. And so often we seek his hand and not his face. We want God for what he can do for us, not who he is to us. So here it is. God shows up to Abram and he says, hey, your name used to be Abram, which means exalted father with no children. Now your name is going to be Abraham, which means father of many nations, but you still have no kids. What God was doing here is he was getting Abram's faith into kingdom order. What he was helping Abram understand is until you learn to say it, you will never see it. And for so many of us, we don't want to say it until we see it because saying things that are not there is awkward. You look foolish. You look like one of them Pentecostal charismatic name it and claim it weirdos. And because we're more concerned about what people think about us than we're concerned about seeing the kingdom of heaven come to pass in our life, we're afraid to say things that don't make sense. Like, it was awkward to say, hi, what's your name? My name is Exalted Father. What's yours? <laughs> Could you imagine when Abram in introduced himself? My name is Exalted Father. Oh, great. Who's your son? If I say my name is Dr. So-and-so, at some point in the conversation, you're going to ask, what kind of doctor are you? Are you a PhD? Are you a medical doctor? Are you a dentist? Are you a veterinarian? What? And then if I'm a medical doctor, then you're going to ask me, what kind of medicine do you practice? 
You're an ER doctor, you're a pediatrician, or what, what, what do you do? So when he says, I'm exalted father, the natural next question is, who's your kids? I mean, you're not just a father, you're an exalted father. <laughs> That's like super saiyan father. <laughs> so where's your kids? I don't have any. All my Dragon Ball Z folks got that one. <laughs> and then his name gets changed to father of many nations. Listen, if your name is father of many nations, your sons have to be kings. Because you don't get to have nations. <laughs> unless your sons are kings. And he had no children. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says this, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written in the Bible, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore, somebody shout at me, somebody say, say something. No, that was a whisper. Somebody say, say something. something. Come on, Baltimore. Somebody say, say something. Can I be your pastor and bring a mild rebuke? Is that okay? Something about 2020 has brought the church mute. Where we've stopped speaking in faith. We've stopped expecting God for something great. We've stopped expecting God to promote and to open doors and to heal and to move supernaturally in our lives. If we begin to take an inventory of the things that are coming out of our mouth, we begin to say things like, oh, if only this person can win an election, that's going to be able to change everything. And oh, if only we could get a vaccine. And then, oh, if only this and oh, if only that. It's as if our God is waiting for who the president is when the vaccine comes out, when the economy turns around, as if he's not the creator of the universe that still desires to move greatly in our lives. I wish I had some believers that you were comfortable with uncomfortable, that you weren't concerned about awkward. You just started saying stuff. Like I'm telling you right now, my whole family is going to be saved this year. God is going to begin to move in my business. God is going to begin to make my name great and use me in a great way. God is going to transform this region. God is going to begin to, I'm telling you, if you would learn to speak what he is saying in his word, you're going to see it become the past in your life. Yeah, you ever been around some really good salesmen? I have some friends that they sell pharmaceuticals. They're in the medical sales business. And I actually got to kind of watch them, you know, pitch and sell and all that other good stuff. And anybody who's at the top of their game in the sales world, if you don't know anything about the sales world, it's a different world. It's not one of them worlds where you just show up on time and leave on time and you're going to be fine. Like, if you don't hustle, you don't eat. You get around some great salesmen and some great saleswomen, when they're making their pitch, I promise you, you will be uncomfortable. You can't say that to them. Yeah, you're like, you can't ask them how much they make. What are you doing? You can't, you can't ask them what their annual income, what do you, I mean, their pitch is so strong. It's, it, I think there's something broken inside of them. Their awkward meter is no longer there because they don't feel, I mean, I mean, I'm not a sales guy and you'd have to ask one of them. I feel like they just don't feel awkward. They're just like, 
I got a great product, you need it, let's make a deal. And they just struck right past the line of common decency, decorum, or customs, or whatever. It's just like, so you gonna buy or not? And I sit there, guess what the person buys? And I'm like, man, if I could only learn to ignore awkward feelings and discomfort with my faith that way. If I could only learn to speak what God says no matter what I see. If I could only learn to believe the promises of God regardless of what year it is or what is going on around me. If I only understood that he is faithful to what he says, but he also said that life and death is in my tongue and that if I speak life, I'm going to eat the fruit of it. And if I speak death, I'm going to eat the fruit of that as well. On your own time, read Luke chapter 1 verse 20 where there was another man, Zacharias, who had no children. God told him he's going to have kids, and he laughed. And God struck him mute until that baby was born. Because he said, it's better to say nothing than to say the wrong thing. Because if you say something opposite to what God is doing, you will cancel out what God is doing. So it's better. How you doing? You okay? Cat got your tongue? <laughs> I'm just scared to speak because I know that God's working and I don't quite have enough faith to tell you what he's doing, but I want to make sure that I don't cancel it out. So don't worry about me. I'm all right. I ain't saying much, but it's because I don't want to mess up what God is doing and is at work. How's your son doing? He's still there. He's good. He will be. What's wrong with God's working? And I don't want to cancel what he's doing. I got to land this plane. Come play. The enemy will always show you something opposite of what God is doing. Because he's trying to tempt you into saying something that cancels what God is doing. Just be careful. Don't just say anything. Last thing is this. Write this down. After, when you see it, seal it. So here's the order of faith. Believe it. Say it. See it. Come on, Baltimore. Somebody say it. Say, believe it. Say it. See it. I go to God's word to figure out what I'm allowed to believe. When I find it in God's word, I put my faith on it. I cannot be shaken. He's going to do it. I'm so certain he's going to do it, I'm going to begin to say it. This is just an addendum. If you don't have the faith to say it, just say nothing. But whatever you do, don't curse it. But after you see it, you still got to seal it. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, now it came to pass, after these things, after what things? After Isaac came. After he got his blessing, after God was faithful to his word. Let me just pause. Leave the verse up. Destiny Church, hear me. Your greatest pressure right now, God is going to bring a miracle. Pastor, I don't believe that. That's okay. I know it. You, 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 you can mooch off of my faith. 
that healing situation, that marriage issue, that business issue, that financial issue, that, that unsettledness you have in your heart because you don't know what God's called you to do with the next 10 years of my life, God is going to bring a miracle. He's going to answer it. And that miracle and that answer will not be the end of your story. So let me say it this way. How you going to act after he blesses you? You need to make up in your mind before you're blessed how you're going to act after you're blessed. I don't know. I love picking on single folks. You're praying, you're fasting, you're believing God for a spouse. He finally sends you Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and now you can't serve in God's house anymore? Did he just go there? I've been gone for three weeks. I'm, I'm bored, guys. Now you don't have time to build God's house. Come on now. You were praying and fasting that God would give you a job that not just paid your bills, but actually brought fulfillment and had room for upward mobility. And now that he's blessed you, you can't show up to church on Sunday? You, you, you can't, this is, how, this is what happens when your pastor's a mathematician, you get in trouble. You can't give God the first 10% of your income when 90% is still 30% more than you used to make. So you still got a huge margin from where you used to be, but now that you're getting the whole pot coming into your house, you can't honor the one that blessed you in the first. How are you going to act after the miracle? Seriously, he said, now it came to pass after these things. After Isaac came, God tested. After every miracle comes a test from God. So now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Y'all, he had two sons. God says, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not worried about your mess. I'm talking about the promise. Take your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. This is the part of the miracle they don't tell you about. That after he gives it to you, he asks for it back. How are you going to act after he blesses you? After he heals you, after you're married, after you're wealthy, after he's launched your business, when he asks you to give it back to him. And I don't know what Abram was thinking about, but this is the moment that he stamped his identity as the father of faith. So God, you gave, and I'll give it right back to you. He marches up to that mountain with his son that many theologians believe were about 13 years old puts the firewood on his son's back, takes him out, builds an altar, puts his son on that altar. Man, there's so much in there. You just got to preach it to yourself. Abram was 120 or so. His son was 13. If his son wanted to run, he could have run. Can you imagine the trust that you have to have in your heavenly father when it looks like he's about to kill you, kill your dreams, kill your future, kill all that you've believed for, but because I trust my father, I'm going to allow him to put me on an altar that looks like it's not going to be fair to me, that looks like I don't deserve it. I don't make no promise with God. All I was was born, but Isaac said, I trust my dad so much that even if it doesn't look right, dad, I trust you. 
puts him on the altar, and right before he executes him, God says, stop. I just wanted to see, do you trust me? There's a ram in the bush, and now you don't just know me as a father that provides a son. You know me as Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides everything. And if you had taken that son and kept him from me, all he would have ever been was a son. And really, he would have been a miracle that you have to work out. But because you gave the miracle back to me, I'm going to make that miracle into a nation that will be on this earth for all of eternity, that I will call my people. Hear me, there's work to do after you see the miracle. It's not just, God, I got it, now I'm ready to run with it. No, God, I've got it, now I give it back to you so that you can bless it and expand it and take it further than I ever asked, thought, or imagined. Destiny Church, we got to start speaking again. We've got to start believing again. We got to start surrendering back to God so that he can expand what we have in our hands. And I decree and declare, I prophesy over your life. You're going to look back and say, 2020 was my best year ever. Because that's the year that God invaded my life and moved in ways that I never thought possible. Father God, we honor you, we bless you, we worship you. God, we admit, we don't always know what you're doing. But God, we're praying for Isaac-type faith, where we so trust our Father that we'll lean into you even if it doesn't even make sense. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. What are you believing for? Are you speaking life or are you speaking death? What have you done with the last miracle that God did for you? Did you give it back to him? Or did you try to hide it from the one who gave it to you? The Bible says if anyone comes unto God, he must first believe that he is, that he's good, that he's a rewarder. Maybe you're in here in Baltimore watching online, and if you were to be honest with yourself, you don't see God as good. You see him as unrealistic, you see him as a judge, but you don't see him as a good father. If you're to be honest, you say, Pastor, I don't know the God that you're talking about. I know the rule-making God. I know the God who's disgusted with me. I don't know the God who loves me and desires to reward me. I'll tell you this, that God is the only God there is. The one that gave all that he had so that you could be family. You're in the room, you're watching online, you're in Baltimore, you say, Pastor, I don't feel like I'm a part of God's family. I don't feel close to God, but I want to. I want him in my life. He's just waiting for your invitation. You can make that decision right now, right where you're sitting. You say, Pastor, I want God in my life. I want him to be my father and my friend. Can you pray this prayer with me? Matter of fact, every single person. I have encouragement of those that are making the greatest decision ever. Say this, maybe for the first time. Say, Father God. It's so good to be able to call you my father. Thank you for wanting me, for loving me, for rewarding me, for dying on the cross 
so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. Be my Lord, my controller, my savior. Today, I surrender to you. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever? Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.